We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast, and it's a Christmas treat for everybody. Um, about three weeks to a month ago, uh, I had a slight feeling that things might go tits up in the world of Steve Bruce's Newcastle United, so we thought we'd record a podcast full of Christmas cheer and Christmas games when Newcastle United uh, defy the usual convention and play well, win some games, maybe even go top of the table in a distant time. So you've got uh, Anton... Nick and Paul, joined by True Faith regular Mark Corby to talk about the games over Christmas that brought smiles to faces across the northeast and beyond in the world of Newcastle United fans. I asked these lads to do this uh, podcast because they wrote such a fantastic article in the new True Faith, the new copy of True Faith, which is still available now to buy online and in a couple of shops in the city of Newcastle. So if you like what you hear... Uh, Try it out, please buy it. Hope everyone listening has a tremendous Christmas and a fantastic New Year. We'll be back with all sorts of podcasts about the current Newcastle United, which I imagine, could be wrong, but I imagine won't be as fun. So thanks for listening. I'll let the lads take it away. Yeah, I mean, it's probably no surprise that I'm going back to a period that I've discussed on many occasions. But, you know, overall, when I look back on me 35 years of supporting Newcastle. It's the, the, the period I remember most fondly and I'll, I'll speak about most passionately. It's uh, uh, Boxing Day 1992 and uh, a fixture at home to uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Um, just to paint, paint a picture why I went for this one is it, it's such a contrast uh, from the start of 1992 to where we were on this on this particular day. Um no, if I just paint a picture in regards to where we were uh, at the beginning of 1992, obviously we had uh, Ozzy Ardiles in charge. Uh, the club had, you know, no money whatsoever. We were facing potential uh, bankruptcy if uh, we were to be relegated to to Division Three as it was then. And um, I think the fact that Ozzy Ardiles had used a lot of youth players, players who had come through the ranks. The likes of uh, Steve Watson, Lee Clark, Robbie Elliott, Steve Howie, etc. I think that bought them a lot of time. But ultimately, going into nineteen ninety two, the 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 games were coming thick and fast. The the defeats were coming even faster. You know, uh, you know, the majority of the lads on here may recall New Year's Day nineteen ninety two. We went down four nil away at Southend United, and uh, yeah, we, we quickly followed that up with. Uh, 
losing at home to Charlton 4-3 after we're 3-0 up at half-time. And, um, you know, then we went down 5-2 at Oxford, who were bottom of the league. Um, and also, when you consider we, third division, Bournemouth knocked us out of the FA Cup on penalties. You know, the writing was all on the wall for Aussie. Um, so, you know, he, he had to go. Um, but Happy days. Happy days, but roll on the good, roll on the good times, you know. From February, as you as we all know, Kevin Keegan came in, um, sixteen games to save us, and he, he did that, and that was it. We lifted off, didn't we? Um, so on the happier times, you know, as we all know, eleven wins out of the first eleven games. It was, you know, just such a transformation, and uh, every single game was just an absolute joy to be there. Um, you know, for the for the the younger listeners, you, you you had to guarantee your place by getting a season ticket. It was it was unheard of back then, um, but that's the only way you could get in. Uh, what had, what had, the ground oh, only held about twenty nine thousand then, I think, didn't it? Yeah, it was. It it, it had been reduced um, from around about thirty six to just over thirty thousand. Uh, because of the um, the Taylor inquiry following the Hillsborough disaster, yeah. so the, so the Gallagher end uh, in particular, there was a big reduction in the capacity in there. But then then again, back in the eighties, you know, the, the, the official attendance wasn't always correct. You know, yeah. I, I'm a, I'd love to know how many uh, how many turnstile operators took a, a cheeky five pound note to uh, to let to let more in. But but yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting because I mentioned the eleven out of eleven. And then we went on, um, we had a couple of defeats. And then we went, I think it was five wins in out of six. But the, the, the strange thing at the time, though, is we, we were getting a lot of television coverage. Um, ITV's The Match was sort of, uh, you know, showcasing all the, the, well, it was the first division then, wasn't it? The, the second tier football. And uh, as we were winning most weeks, we were featured a lot. But but it was, it was weird because we seemed to not, play well when we're on live on TV. Um, I've just, just done a re- quick recap there. Um, the previous two, uh, two, two of the previous four home games we had Drew um, at home to Millwall and Swindon, which were live on TV. So it was quite disappointing that we didn't seem to turn turn up for the uh, the live games. And when you remember as well, we went to Barnsley a couple of weeks before Christmas and we, Barnsley was struggling at the bottom and they beat us 1-0. And yeah, we're talking about, yeah. Yeah. I was I was down there and it was about six or seven thousand down there and we got beat one nil. It was such a shock. But I got, uh, I, got um, I particularly remember that one because uh, I walked inside of a police cordon. I think it was the first time I'd ever been to Oakwell, uh-huh. and and like I just I got out of the car. I was with me pal uh, Chris and we like walked down. There was a, there was a few coppers sort of hanging around and we just sort of like went oh how, you know how are you doing sort of thing. Walked past one of them, talked like walked towards the ground a little bit and then sort of turned back again. Um, and this and this couple was like, you know, you cannot walk, you can't, cannot walk back there, son. And I was like, what do you mean? We're just like walking, wish I'm going to quit look where the ground was and just going to head back and go and find a pub. No, you, you've 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 come past Corden now. You got you can't go back. <laughs> so literally, I was in the ground at like I think about quarter past twelve with a with a hot chocolate and it was mint. Yeah, yeah. And then we got beat. Yeah, it was really good. We got beaten. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was it was a rarity to get beat that day, um, that season. I think that was what only I think my third third defeat. But 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 going into uh, the Boxing Day fixture, I think it was just like it may have been a bit of a coming of age as well because I was uh, what fourteen. Yeah, I was fourteen at the time, and you sort of just start dabbling a little bit with uh, McEwen's log, I shall we say, and old English cider. So you know, Chris, Chris, so Christmas, you sort of had a couple of cheeky cans uh, stolen out of my mother's fridge before before you go up, 
And uh, but I always remember, you know, new, new scarf, new Christmas hat, new jacket. Um, but but the most important thing over Christmas wasn't what you got. It was it was just going to the match. Um, but but the Wolves game, you know, it it was it was in one, a couple of things I remember is um, Wolves brought up a, a decent following, and they used to put the away supporters in what was the Lisa's East corner at the time, a little pocket. And uh, it's it's smart to think that they only got around about. I think it was around about 980 uh, tickets officially. That's that's all it would hold because obviously the rest of the ground was all Newcastle. And I remember there was just an edge edge to the atmosphere that day. Um, I don't know if there was any history between the two supporters in the past, but there was an edge to it. And, you know, uh, Wolves took the lead. Uh, Paul Cook, who um, I think he's he's been managing a few teams lower leagues recently. Um, he's, he scored and put, put them ahead. And... Um, I noticed straight away from my place in the in the Gallagher, well, the scoreboard. I noticed straight straight away that there was seemed to be a lot of skirmishes around the the East Stand and the Leasers where the Wolves where the Wolves fans were. Um, and did You're you right want to there, there, Mark. There was there was always a bit of edge with uh, with yeah. Wolves. I knocked about with a Wolves fan um, at university. I was at university eighty nine to ninety four. Uh, right. So yeah, so I knew him quite well, and I actually stood in the Wolves end. Not at that game, but at St. James's Park for another game. And there was always an edge in the Wolves, sort of like away support. They had a pretty hardcore, sort of yeah. like pretty hardcore edgy set of fans. I don't know exactly what uh, what hooli porn term I should really use on such a family podcast. But uh, <laughs> yeah, all, yeah, the Wolves games always did. And he obviously knew lots of the lads there because he was, what, 20, 21 like I was at that point. Mm-hmm. So he was meeting his mates up there. I just kept a low profile the one time I sort of went in with him. But he was a canny lad. I mean, he stood on the Gallagher, you know, pretty much at least once a month with me. So it was a bit of a reciprocal one. But yeah. it was interesting to see, as you say, the Wolves fans and how, uh, you know, how much how much sort of bile they were giving out and how much front they did have in those days. Absolutely. And uh, you've just you've just triggered my memory, actually, because... Um... On the on the walk to uh, Molyneux, as it was back then, I, I'm sure there was like a, a subway, and uh, you, you had to you had to go through. It and the Wolves fans would st- stand over it and just throw bricks and bottles and anything at you back then. But obviously, it's a it's a it's a different game, different experience altogether now. Um, it's a totally but, different experience. We were there in January, and yeah. I think you're right. I think there is a subway somewhere near the um, yeah. the the station then you walk across the road and then down this sort of long alleyway to take you through to the ground and it was all very jovial but i think the whole all seat has changed at all isn't it there's not as much ragi raginess as these anyway Uh, absolutely and uh well well, well, they took the lead uh as i say there was a a a bit bother in the corner but the the games just went on then you know it was just ignored to be honest where now you know, the, the whole game would be held up and players would probably be taken off, you know, but then it just just, just carried on. But I always remember, we, we didn't really, again, we didn't really seem to be playing that well. You know, what we, we used to, the fast flow, and all, you know, all attacking football. And, um, you know, I, I wish I could look at the, the lineup and, and blame anyone in particular, but it was it was pretty much the regular lineup, apart from John Beresford was injured and, and Alan Nielsen uh, had come come in, in the side as a, a you know a, a, a very capable fullback um but yeah you know just to remind you the, the caliber of the players were hard compared to the previous season pa- pav had come in due to tommy wright's injury and uh you know the, the pavel as a jory uh you know 
foundation was set. Uh, Barry Venison, right back, fantastic saying. He would make my all-time eleven, to be honest. Um, yeah, mine yeah, too, definitely. Yeah. Superb Look- captain, could play across the back four as well. He was just a great player for us at those times. Well, he, got, he got in the England team, didn't he? Straight after that, and and ended up playing in the sort of in the sort of holding role. Um, yeah, like in, the, almost like the David Batty role, and he was just brilliant. I mean, yeah, when you think yeah, you come yeah, from yeah, Liverpool, yeah, yeah. being a bit of a a bit of an average sort of fullback to come into Newcastle. I always remember in that season, even when he was played, even in the, uh, the well, it was League One as the championship as was. Um, he was he play he play it right back, and he'd still get skinned a bit. But when they moved him in field, he was just yeah. a revelation, wasn't he? Well, yeah, it was well, a stroke of genius by Keegan that a stroke of genius to shift him from fullback to number four. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Well, bear in mind, I, I would pick them as my centre half because that first season in the Premier League in 93 yeah. 94, when Steve yeah, Howie got superb, injured, yeah. they moved Venison in the centre half, Watson right back, and I thought he was just fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. But uh, but yeah, the Barry Venison uh, podcast will come soon, lads, I would imagine. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah. Hi, well, Kevin Scott. You know he'd be, he'd, he'd been around the club for a number of years. He had experienced the relegation, and he'd obviously experienced the disappointment of uh, the playoff defeat, which we'll we'll not go into. And uh, Steve Howie for me, that what a surprise he was. You know, um, when you when you think he was an alleged striker, and yeah. uh, he, he played. I always remember going down to Derby the previous season when we got beat four one and we had three sent off, and and how he come on and Keegan put him centre centre half for damage limitation. Um, which is incredible considering we're, we're nearly four back to 2-2 two, two at one point. Uh, but how, how he was incredible. Absolutely incredible. And then uh, if you think of the midfield, Lee O'Brien, see you no more. Um, Robert Lee had come in and really stamped his authority on the right-hand side. Lee Clark, who would be player of the season, absolutely fantastic. You know, he he, he was right there all the way through, the revol- you know, the revolutionising of Newcastle under Keegan. And then uh, good old Kevin Sheedy, you know, you, you sometimes forget about these players who who did a job keeping us up and also he played a big part in this first half of the campaign. Um, and David Kelly, f- favourite player of all time, absolutely loved the lad. You know, he, he knew what it was like. It's a cliche, but it was true on it. He knew what it was like to wear the shirt. Um, and I've met him on a couple of occasions. He, he's just, he doesn't understand that the affection and the love that Newcastle fans have got for him. And it, it doesn't matter how many times I was telling them, um, he just he just was just shocked by it, you know. Twenty five, twenty six years later, um, he still he had loved, a wand you know. of a left foot. Well, he, he, a yeah. he scored. He scored two in this game. You're talking about, didn't he? I think. Well, you've just stole me thunder, haven't you? Oh, so, sorry about that. Sorry. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry, sorry, I do you well, well, just before before half time, I think it was a bit of a scrappy effort. The first one, <laughs> uh, and uh, I think it was a Lee Clark shot. It was parried. And uh, one of my good memories of, of this is uh, David Kelly scrambled at home, but there was a sort of a claim that the ball had already crossed the line. So at that point, people were already celebrating. And um, I used to stand right behind the the, the, uh, the goal in the scoreboard. And I don't know whether you all the lads will remember, there was three lads who used to always turn up with wigs on, big, bright wigs. And um, they the always stood out because obviously it was, well, it was unheard of then. You know, it wasn't zany. It wasn't sort of banter. It was just... There were young lads and they had wigs on, but they were always on the telly. And you, you knew if you stood next to them, you would be noted. Well, they had a little bit of a, um, a little competition between themselves as well to see who could get furthest on the pitch to celebrate a goal. So so I went and joined one of them on that equaliser. And I, I look back fondly at the um, the season review because you can see me jumping over the um, the sort of the wall at the front 
jump over with me little uh, me beanie hat on and, and the, my hands in the air and the cop has pointers if say get back in where again these days you'd be chucked out wouldn't you you know um so yes that's me little claim to fame on on the sort of the the track behind the goal celebrating but you know the icing on the cake for me was the winner um shooting the walls the laser's end um the ball dropped to david kelly and he just caught it on the half volley from about 25 yards and yeah. it just screamed into the top corner and um the, the whole roof went off well i'm saying the whole roof there was only two at the time wasn't it because it was two uncovered uh terraces behind the goal but absolute bedlam and it was one of those one of those games where to come back and win a game is incredible anyway then you've got the edge of what we mentioned before about the wolves supporters you've got the edge that the fact that wolves were a decent side then they would have been challenging and uh as i said what just fell away a little bit but we're still top top by some margin but and um, they turned us over four out as well at christmas time They've done us. I remember they've done us badly it's, uh, in one of the fixtures, I think, in a couple of years previously. So the games are always full of football, those ones. Yeah, they beat us. You, you're right. They beat us on New Year's Day in 1990 when Steve Day. Bull got four. Yeah. Four, four one, that, I think, wasn't it? They beat with four one. And, and poor old Kevin Brock, who I've just mentioned in a recent podcast, Escape uh, article for True Faith. You know, that was the game where I, I remember it clearly. A, a fan jumped out from the, uh, the benches, which is. The, the bottom of the East Stand, shall we say, for the for the new listeners. Um, a fan jumped out and just took the swing for him. Poor, <laughs> poor old Kevin Brock. He was closest to him. I think I think Wolves must have went three up at the time. Um, so, yes, you're right. And bear in mind that had beat us 6-2 under Kevin Keegan in the uh, the previous yeah. season. Um, so, so yeah, I, you know, just to, just to conclude on that, you know, it was just a brilliant Christmas present, um, you know, to win 2-1 against a promotional rival. David Kelly getting the two goals. And you know who was my favourite player, and I just I just think it it sort of even though we went off the boil a lot after that I think we only won two of about ten or eleven after that and there was a little bit of a Portsmouth crept up um, and I think they went top of the league at one point West Ham West Ham were close as well weren't West they? Ham yeah West Ham were close but it all come good in the end I think Keegan was was a master at replacing players with better players shall we say he replaced Franz Carr. With uh, obviously Rob Lee, he re- replaced Kevin Sheedy with uh, Scott Sellers, and then C- Gavin Peacock was unlucky to get injured. But Christ, Andy Cole come in, and that was it, wasn't it? We just we just took off to a different level with Andy Cole, and then Peter Beardsley, and you know the foundations were set, and we didn't look back. But as you, as you can probably tell, lads, that period for me was just an absolute joy. Ninety two to about ninety five, ninety six, and um, you know it's it's just no no mistake that. That Wolverhampton Wanderers game is is probably the one I look back back on with uh, you know a lot of lot of fond nostalgia, shall we say? Just just quickly, just talking about uh, David Kelly there, a good a good mate of ours, Boda, who I'm no doubt will probably listen to this. He was um, he met him just by chance in the pub with a couple of other lads we know on on the day when you know when Keegan had let him go. Yeah, I think I think I'm right in saying it was Inventions, which is oh, Christ, no, I can't remember what it's called now, but it was Bar Crow's Nest. What's it called now? Crow's Nest. Now. Is Crow's it, Nest. Right? Yeah, that's it. Right, the Crow's Nest. Yeah. Um. Well, it was. I think it was probably Inventions back then. Um. He was in there, and he said and David Kelly was in there, and, and Boda was there with a couple of other lads, and he said he was like they were chatting to him, and like he was literally in tears, like just yeah. gutted, absolutely gutted, just didn't want to leave, was like. Just you know, just love being here so much, and it was yeah, really sad. You know, I always thought he should have been given a chance in the 
You know, Could he have done it season. in the top league, or was he a was he a Dwight Gale kind of middle person? I mean, he was brilliant for us in that season. He really no, was. I think yeah. I think he could I think he could have done a job. I th- I think he was good enough. Well, he showed later on in his career. I think he was I think he was really good. I think if you look back in hindsight at what happened, you know, when Bielsa come in, got injured, and then Keegan bought Malcolm Allen literally a day before the start of the season. Yeah. Yeah, and, Mal- yeah. and, Mal- and Malcolm Allen played up front. When you look at it from that perspective, yes, he would have he would have been given given a chance. But and especially when you think Alex Matthew coming as well, which was yeah, an odd yeah. one. But yeah. but to be to David Carey's credit, when I've I've spoken him at uh, obviously at, at uh, talkings and things, and he just said, "Look, you've got to understand that I, every time I knew I was unwanted at a football club, I, I wanted to leave." He went. So when Kevin Keegan told us. I wasn't guaranteed first team football. Peter Biazzi was coming in. He just he knew he had no chance. And uh so even though he was probably devastated at leaving, fair play at him. He didn't want to sit on the bench. Yeah, yeah. And squads were a lot smaller then as well, weren't they? I mean, nowadays it would be buttons to have kept a player who had got you up there to just give him a season for a chance. But yeah. squads being much smaller just meant that, you know, there there wasn't literally there wasn't room on the bench because there wasn't that many subs. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And of course, Keegan had disbanded the reserves, had he not? That that, that followed a couple years later. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I'm gonna go for second of January '96, the uh, the entertainers' season, um, uh, unbelievable season. I know Mark talked about his favourite season being, I guess, the promotion season. But my God, we we didn't half get close to that uh, that season. And um, yeah, second of January '96. So there had to have been, and I had to rack my brains to try and remember the game. To be honest, um, so I had a little look back on YouTube and, um, and and you know watched it back or watched some of the highlights back. But must have been cold. There must have been some rotten hangovers on the second of January. People have been drinking all Christmas. Plenty of football going on, and then welcoming a team like Arsenal and St James's. Now I I can't remember. This might just be. Uh, our uh, our esteemed leader these days, but I can't remember going to games and just expecting to roll up and turn teams over. But we must have turned up that day and expected to turn Arsenal over. Um, you know, we were absolutely flying in the league at the time. We were what seventeen points ahead, sixteen points ahead. I can't remember now. Twelve points ahead, whatever it was of Man United, and uh, Arsenal coming to St James's with players like Merson, Platt, Bergkamp, Wright, Seaman, etc. Usually, you would think. Jesus Christ, we're going to get turned over here when you cast all these, you know, we don't beat teams like this. And, um, and yeah, beat them. Um, there will have been some latecomers into that ground, um, 36,500, so it was a full capacity. And uh, and David David scored um, in the first minute, um, which was amazing. I think it was about 58 seconds, something like that. Um, so watching it back... Um, Paul Kitson was playing up front. Actually, I had a, a Twitter conversation with someone today about Kitson. Um, I think some uh, somebody had asked the question, you know, your most um, underrated player of all time at Newcastle. And one of the lads had put, uh, actually sits behind me in the leases, one of the lads had put Paul Kitson. And I'm like, hmm, not so much for me, but never mind. So anyway, Paul Kitson took a really good touch, knocked it back. And Ginola struck it from the edge of the box and uh, it went in the back of the net, which is rather nice. So, you know, first minute of the... Uh, it was a bit of a golfing era, though, wasn't it? If I remember, it was. It was, yeah. I mean, it was a good strike, and it the ball was lifting. Seaman, Seaman went with his wrong hand, actually, just watched yeah. it back, and he sort of palmed it into the top corner. So it probably yeah. looked slightly better than it was, but it was a bit of a goalkeeping error, yeah. So I suspect that may well have uh, shaken a few hangovers pretty early in the uh, pretty early in the game. Um, 
and I don't, as I said, I don't remember. You guys might want to chip in. I don't remember a lot more of the game, but I do know that second half, first minute of the second half, um, somebody smashed a, a long, a long Bruce ball over the top, and Celez just ran onto it. Bruce ball and stuck it. Bruce ball, yeah. Well, you know what it is. I mean, you wouldn't want yeah. Joe Linton running onto it. Let's be honest. Uh, Callum Wilson, maybe, but certainly not Joe Linton. And um, yeah, he just ran onto it, stuck it under Seaman. But again, if you watch it back, it was a bit of a goalkeeping error. Um, you know, David Seaman probably was getting on in getting on years by then, 96. I think he played, he played in Euro 96, David Seaman. So probably coming to almost the... He, God, he did, yeah. So actually, he probably, well, he probably still was getting on in years, going to keep us going quite late. But um, two relatively poor mistakes by him. But, you know, a new year, or 2nd of January, so effectively a New Year's game. Um, getting a 2-0 win against Arsenal is is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So yeah, I I always remember the um I remember that game for one thing because I used to sit in the East Stand right opposite the sort of directors box in the Melbourne, and I remember all of the Arsenal board, uh, whoever who was there there from Arsenal, just the, when that second goal went in, they just all got up and walked out, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> I think change might be afoot there, but I always remember uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was um I was a student back in '96. I'm obviously. A- a couple of years younger than uh, a couple of you lads. Um, you don't look so, yeah, at me. No, I don't. I don't feel it either being your mate. But um, coming, <laughs> uh, obviously coming back from Manchester where I was a student, um, that season was immense. Um, it was actually my graduation year. That, you know, that season with, you know, students right away from the round the UK, but they're all bloody close at Man United fans. You never saw any City fans back then, did you? It was all Man United fans. Um and obviously, whilst being so far in the lead, you just thought that season was going to be it. And um, and yeah, you know. Did you let your mouth go by any chance, Paul? Did I what? Did you let your mouth go about how we were going to win the league and how it was a done deal and all that sort of stuff? No, not me. I was um, <laughs> actually that same that same season. I went um, as you get you get well. A couple of you guys know my best mate's a uh, a Man City fan and has been forever. So he took us into the uh, old main road. And I think that was the 3-3 season when uh, Albert scored twice yeah. and Tino headbutted Keith Curl. Well, yeah. that was right in front of us. And we were in the home end, about five or six rows back from the front behind that goal. And um, it was just such a ding-dong game. You can't you can't sit on your hands when you're in a away game, as you well know, Nick, when, when we were at Old Trafford a couple of, couple of years ago. Yeah. And... Um, <clears throat> Excuse me, and and they were just, they were just chucking the coins at us because I think they were battling relegation that season. So that season that we were going for the title, Man City were battling relegation. Um, yeah, me and me and Nick were in the away end for that one, the three all one with yeah, uh, yeah. three and uh, and curl and the ding dong and everything. Yeah, that was that always was literally right in front of us. Mark, you'll enjoy that. Mark, you must have. Uh, I don't know whether you got to Main Road at the tender age of however twelve were. 12 or when it was but yeah when we when me and Nick went to uh, Main Road for that game it was sketchy as well outside there um well yeah yeah I mean you know what for me Man City have, have been or always were a, bit, a very I know we're going off topic a bit always had been a little bit of a uh, yo-yo club or roller coaster club like us. I see quite a lot. Of, I did see quite a lot of the similarities, other than the money, in terms of similar sized clubs, similar histories, similar sort of promotions, relegations, years in the doldrums. Obviously, they went in a Pontins League Three for a couple of seasons or a season. Um, but I think I just think the edge there was because they were battling relegation in that season and yeah. probably nothing else. 
Um, but, you know, they're, they're a decent bunch of fans and a decent bunch of lads, yeah. But uh, our times have changed somewhat. Now we're battling relegation uh, most seasons, should we say. We're happy to stay up and they're and they're pissed off if they only win the League Cup. <laughs> just, just a quick one there. Yeah, just a quick one, uh, Paul. You, you mentioned uh, Paul Kitson there, and uh, it, two little things about Paul Kitson. He, 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 well, one, he come in, he come in for uh, Keith Gillespie. Now, obviously, we've uh, got Keith on the the pro view, and I, I said this for years long before I, I got to know Keith. And I've always said Keith Gillespie's injury at uh, Old Trafford that that ruined our season for me because we just lost the balance of the side. Uh, yeah. Kits, Kitson come in. And then Steve Watson come in, and then Ferdinand got injured, and Kitson come back in, and then we just lost that momentum. And then towards the end, apparently Robert Lee um, went to Keegan and said, uh, "You know, we need Keith back in the side." You know, yeah, yeah, he was playing Peter Biazzi, who, let's be honest, is probably ninety-nine percent of uh, supporters are know his favourite ever, best ever player. But playing him right midfield or right wing. At that uh, at that old age, it just wasn't working. So that's the interesting. You've reminded me about that when Kitson come in. Um, but the other one regarding Kitson's, I, I think he's he's driving. He's um, his love for the game. I think was was pretty much gone. Um, even though he, he did come in and, and do okay at times. Um, once David Batten <coughs> come in, um, I, I, and Kitson taught me this when I bumped into him at uh, the races of all places, and he and he said uh, when Keegan disbanded the reserves. He went. He used to travel up with David Batty, and uh, basically David Batty, as you all know, is not really a, a social person. He just used to go to train and jump in his car and drive back down to uh, to Leeds, or I think it was Wakefield where he said they lived. And he says, and he met he met a lass at uh, university. Now imagine this: Premier, Premier League uh, footballer, ridiculous wages, um, living in student accommodation with a lass. Uh, used to travel up with David Batty to training. <laughs> And then when the week was done, he would just stop there all weekend because he knew he would be nowhere near the first team. That's how it ended up being for for Paul huh. Kitson. But then he's I know his he, wife he, actually, oddly enough. Right. Yeah. And then he uh, he concluded with um but I made some good money though. And I thought, you know what, mate, fair play to you. Because he went on to have a great career at West Ham. So fair play at the lad. Yeah, I don't think he was a good player. I do. I don't think he was probably my uh... Put it this way, put it this way, you'd have him you'd have him now, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, have him now. Yeah. Well, you would have him now, yeah. And he nearly didn't sign. Was that Kitson? Did he turn around? And Newcastle had said he'd failed his medical. Was that it? Him? Was it was wage demands? He um he, yeah. he knew. But Newcastle came deep. out, I think, and said he'd uh, he'd failed his medical. And then he, t- he he changed his mind, didn't he? And said, actually, I do want to sign. He turned around and came and signed for us. The only thing I remember is is the wage uh, demands, and, and Keegan basically told him where to go. But there was some sort of agreement somewhere in the middle. Um, you know, eight hundred and fifty quid or something, wasn't it? Oh, who knows, mate? Who, who knows? But 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 bear in mind, Kitson. He knew that his next move was going to probably be his biggest. Um, he was well, you know, well respected at Derby. Um, and you know, bear in mind, once once Cole left, he was he was one number one striker. So you know, it's <laughs> uh, it's smart when you look back. Good old Paul Kitson. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I guess just to summarise my little piece, yeah. Unreal season, uh, 2nd of January 96. Was there anybody in that crowd that didn't think we were going to go in and win the title? I think we, yeah. I think we all hoped, hoped and dreamt. And uh, ever since then, <laughs> ever since then, I, I think we're all pretty much resigned and never win anything, unfortunately. But, you know, we can always dream. We're supposed to be uplifting people here, Paul. Sorry. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't blind us with yeah. the fucking truth here, how are? Come on. 
Good old days. Good old days. We were going to go and win the league. We beat Man United 1-0 at home and didn't get beat from Cantona's goal. Celez uh, uh, was a hero. And the rest, as they say, is history. That's how I remember it anyway. Right. So uh, the two games in the magazine were Spurs and uh, a home thrashing. But the one I want to concentrate on is the, um, is the seesaw game. It's an away game like Mark's. So the wins taste, uh, taste five times sweeter when it's away from home. Uh, and it was a game I went to under duress. I wasn't going to go. Nick and our pal Boda were going to head down in a car and, uh, and do the Saturday before Christmas game. I can't remember why I actually swerved it. might have been money. I was still a student then. It might have been a variety of reasons. I know that Leeds had one hell of a side. That was when, talking back to Paul and Man City's ball reversals, that was when Leeds were right in the ascendancy, spending money left, right and centre. David O'Leary, look it up, kids, you won't know about him now, but he'd actually <laughs> organised and put together an amazingly fast, young side, full of talent, looked good right through from uh, from a stalwart Nigel Martin at the back, right the way to the spine and up top, scoring loads of My goals. My young boys, he used to call them. My young, young boys. Jumpers for goalposts, young boys. I'm going to win that now. So there we were. So I wasn't going to go. And then Nick fell ill, tragically ill. So much so he couldn't get up on his deathbed. And I said that I'd uh, not only go, but have a drive because my mate's car was a rear-wheel drive. And the snow was just starting to filter down. And I remember thinking, bloody lead. You're going to get beat. They're unbeaten at home. I think they haven't lost at home. They've gone to games all season. So I was going down with a heavy heart. And you castled all their Bobby Robson for all the sort of guile and the, um, and the fun and the young players and the balance that Robson put in that side. We always sort of had a little bit of a soft underbelly, a little bit of the the chips are down. Is Dyer actually going to do it? Who's that? Is Laurent Robert really going to play well every single game? So those Bobby Robson years, yes, it was an almost year again. But, uh, but yeah, so away games, getting down there, okay. I don't think we even had a pint before. I think the roads were chocker with Christmas traffic. So when we go, it's freezing cold. It's even colder in Yorkshire than here. But we score first. I think it was Bellamy who scored it, notched it in. And, of course, as Nick will uh, back us up, the minute Newcastle go ahead in an away game, the first thing we do is say, I wish it was the 95th minute now. And so I think that was a big Yeah. 98th minute. So, yeah, I think that was early on, a quarter of an hour in or so. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe I've made the right choice. Maybe I'm here. Maybe I'm going to see the win. But then, bang, straight away. Lee Bowie had been in a little bit of trouble. I'll let the uh, the great and the good Wikipedia that. We don't need to go into uh, But he scored, and their ground absolutely erupted. It was unbelievable. They were so behind their team, and they're so... Um, and they're horrible. So- they were horrible, but they were horrible, horrible. but really, par- really passionate. You know what it's yeah. like at the road. I mean, you know, big catchment for the whole Yorkshire around about and all that sort of bit. So they've got all sorts of sort of rural types, city types, all sorts. Um, so they were just up for it. And then all of a sudden it looked like Newcastle's arse had gone as usual. It was were 2-1, 3-1, I think. I can't remember who got them. Oh. I remember. Is it, I'm right in saying, Anton. When 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 Boyer scored, he like he like he came right down in front of the Newcastle end and was giving it large, wasn't he? 
Yeah, he scored yeah, that for Newcastle like, end. So, yeah, he was just pumped and on adrenaline. You could see that he was so game up and fired up. You know, like Maradona in the uh, in the World Cup when he was sort of like eyes bulging. Bowie yeah. played with a bit of that that day, and he was all over the park, and he was. You know, he's all over Kieran Dyer, who can drift in and out of games as well. Are, are, are you saying he was? Are you saying that Lee Bowyer was coked up in that in, in the game against us? Hey, look, you know, speak to my lawyers about That's that. <laughs> don't, don't 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 forget, lads. Um, Newcastle fans were giving them some abuse that day because uh, they were singing "You're supposed to be in jail." If you remember, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah that's right. Him and, and Woodgate. Exactly, and if I remember rightly, he was running to the, the Newcastle end and he was basically calling us uh, C-U-N-T's, so I remember really? that well. <laughs> yeah. So, Good old Lee for you. Who would say yeah. him, eh? Who would ever yeah, say yeah, that yeah, guy? Yeah. It's Who nothing like an away crowd firing a player up, is there? Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, well, if you looked at the team sheets that day, we ended up with quite a few, because I think the Duke has scored. They got the third, and we ended up with him as well. Batty was playing for Leeds. So uh, so it's 3-1 down, and I'm cursing it. The snow is falling. Long drive back. Not looking forward to it at all. And then just the Christmas magic happens. It can happen, kids. Believe you me, it can happen. Elliot got a header. Then we got Newcastle got a jammy penalty. I mean, even Steve Bruce was blush at this one. I think I watched on uh, on YouTube a couple of days ago. It just bounces innocuous. Var wouldn't have anything of it these days. Uh, and she was taking the penalty, so he knew it was in the back of the net. No, no, I thought it was Stonewall, personally, but there you go. Yeah, uh, okay. Whatever. Whatever. So it's three all, and I'm thinking I'm escaping with a point. But it was it ended up being a bit of a ding-dong game there. We were on top, they were on top, and it was end-to-end football. Typical... Uh, People clash of the Titans at the top of the table, and it was it was all out. And then the magic happened. Dyer, a player who I ended up hating, um, played really well in the second half, uh, pushed the ball through, and I thought Solano had taken it too far wide. I thought he'd taken another touch. I was low down. I remember exactly where I was. I was almost through the nets. So it was that low down at Ellen Road. I thought, he's gone too wide. He's gone too wide. But Martin was covering that near post, and Solano just popped it through. It just sort of arrowing right towards where we were we were sort of stood just to that uh, Nobby's left hand post where our uh, right of the goal and then it went and it was just bedlam I can't remember anything about the singing or whatever because we were just going absolutely apeshit throwing ourselves around for the next sort of like three minutes and then there was a long injury time and then we'd won and they'd been singing we are top of the league as a win to the top and then we were singing we are top of the league all the way out to the car park, out of the industrial estate and all the way home. And it was just a superb, unexpected, spectacular day out, which can happen what, 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 was like, what, what was it like when you when you left the ground? Because obviously at this point I was I was having my Tixie Licks and you know and having a bit of a lie down. So um, <laughs> what, 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 I mean, having been to Allen Road a few times and come out and thought, Jesus Christ, I'm gonna get killed here. What was it like at that point when, when we won four three? Right. Well, at that point, I knew exactly where the car was parked and it was a very fast stride. Get the hell out of there. Eyes at the ground. No real celebration once you left the concourse. Just get to the car, get out of the industrial estate where you park on and get on the way home. Because, as you say, Ellen Road after a game, well, Ellen Road before a game can be a little bit moody. So, no, we just we got the hell out of Dodge. Nice one. I think. I yeah. think at the. I was, uh, I, was 
Sorry, go on, Nick. I was just, I, I was just going to say, lads. Um, I think at the time, though, if if you think of how far we had progressed under Bobby Robson that season as well, we're talking about Keegan and the progression. Yeah. Um, we uh, the season before that was Bobby's first full season, wasn't it? And the likes of uh, Pesidas, Cardone, uh, players who just it just didn't work, you know. And there was there was a rumor that Mick uh, Wadsworth had a lot to say on the the signings that come in. But when you look That's at uh, yeah, when you look at Bellamy, Robert, uh Sylvan Distan had come in on loan, and then towards the end of the season we got Jermaine Genius in, who who I, I think slightly you know he's slightly, slightly harsh I think because he was he was a good player replacing Robert Lee was always going to be difficult but uh, but he ended up being a, a decent player and you know Graham Souness he, he won uh, he won Young Player of the Year didn't he Jermaine Jennings was at Newcastle he, he did he won Young Player of the Year the the, the following campaign I think I think Bellamy won it yeah. this year and uh, Genius won it the year I after. really like I really like Genius but I think one of Sir Bobby's biggest mistakes was when. Uh, Paul Scholes and Man United were coming at Old Trafford. Um, might have been that season. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was he was bas- he was big and up. Genus. They were fifty years apart. The birthdays actually just as an as an odd yeah. fact. He was really big and genus up, saying you know he's on a par and he's on a level with Scholes. And mm-hmm. I think Scholes might have bagged a hat trick when they beat a six two that day. Yeah, <laughs> was it St. James? So, that was it St. James's. Yeah, St. James's. Absolutely. Yeah, it's St. James's. No, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. It, the guy scored the hat trick. Was that what's his name? Then Macam centre half. Was it not O'Shea. Scholes? Didn't O'Shea score a hat trick that day? No, no Scholes got two either side at half time. He got his goals either side at half time. Killed the game. Yeah. We scored. We scored first and last in that game. Scholes scored the third. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Didn't o- O'Shea definitely scored in that game, though, I think. But I think, yeah, I think going back to that team in the Bobby Robson time, to contrast with Paul's input, I think in a way, Robson was almost too good too quick for the simple reason we just became so expectant again and the rebirth had all happened. Yeah. The five years, we'd had a bit of a doldrums, we'd had Doug Leach and, uh, and tinkered with Hullet, and then Robson lifted us all again, but he lifted us so quickly yeah. um, that we, we just started to expect a little bit too much, perhaps. And, you know, I think maybe that was the downfall as we finished second, third, fourth, and then that awful season when obviously we just finished out of the Champions League. But Do you not think, just, at- just quickly going back to Bobby Robson there, it was really weird his time at Newcastle because he came in and pretty much saved us, yeah? And then, as Mark was saying then, some of the signings then were awful and we, we went back to being a really, really pretty bog average, pretty poor sort of premiership side. He then got us the sort of time you're talking about now with the players you're talking about now, like right at the top of the league, brilliant. And then we sort of tapered off a little bit. And yeah, I mean, it, it's history, but we shouldn't have got rid of him at that time. It was a terrible thing to do. But it was he, he did have a bit of an up and down time. You, you, you tend to look back because it's a few years ago and you, and you think, like, well, everything was rosy. And it, it certainly wasn't. But... Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, when when you look at what we have, what we've got now, to it, it's well, yeah. you would swap, you'd go back, wouldn't you? You'd go back a hundred percent. Absolutely, absolutely, great memories. The, uh, the final, yeah, I mean, if you think as well, that that, that, that time we beat uh, Arsenal away, didn't we? Uh, the game before when we uh, we ended that yeah, horrible we league that night, didn't we? Yeah, yeah we ended that horrible it. record, didn't we? Uh, I think it was twenty-seven games in London we hadn't won, and it, right. with each game it was getting. More of a, more of a sort of, you know, wrote around the neck sort of thing, wasn't it? But uh, yeah, the Arsenal game, that result was totally unexpected as well. 
exactly. I think that was another reason why he's just thought, well, we're never going to do it twice. But that that Christmas was the stars all aligned that for once Newcastle actually did go on a run of wins. I mean, normally you just want to stumble through without getting too many injuries and not taking your goal difference and battering Newcastle across Christmas, whereas that one was magical. Brilliant. Well, last but not least, we have lost Alex, if the listeners are wondering where he's gone. Uh, the leader of the pack, the Kevin Keegan of us all, he's he's lost his internet signal. So uh, it just goes to show you can't, uh, you can't win it all. So last but not least, take it away. Yeah, and um, just talking about stars aligning there, uh, where Anton was talking about there. Um, uh, the game I'm going to talk about is uh, under Pardiola, um, when we um, turned okay. over Manchester United at uh, St James's Park just after just after New Year in in 2012. Um, it was it really really was a just an in- incredible game for us for all all to go to. Um, we we were we were we're playing the champions. Um, we're, we're sort of thinking, as usual, when you play Manchester United at St James's Park, you think, well, you take a point before the game because, particularly at this time, although it was a slightly fading Man United team, they they had won the league. That was the last time they won the league. Um, they were sort of a little bit on the wane, but even so, um, you know, really, always a really tough game. Um, on on this particular occasion, um, I'd I'd purchased some. Corporate tickets, um, which in the, which were in the corner, uh, the, the the Melbourne um, Gallagher corner, which is now um, that that area is no no longer there, but um, it was it was really good. It was like a little lounge sort of area, and um, I I was with my dad, and I was with um, I was with a couple of really good clients, so we're we're, we're sitting there having a having a really nice time, and but it was a bit strange because the the, the table we were on. Was only only sort of uh, half full for for um, about an hour before kickoff, and about maybe ten minutes before the, the game kicked off, these two real sort of uh, chinless wonders sort of walked in with um, a really really horrible looking person, a real sort of like uh, very sort of um, sort of rotund Mancunian guy. Um, and and he was just straight away. He just changed the mood. That that everyone around was um, like looking over and who's this guy? Uh, he, he he started straight away, sort of like kicking off about Newcastle and not being very nice. And so anyway, well, he 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 sat down. We only had a couple of minutes with him, and um, I, I I clearly despised him immediately. But um, went out, took our seats, and and it was it was a great performance. We um. We went one nil up. There was a superb goal by Demba Bar at the uh, at the at the Leeds' end. Yeah, I think he took the ball over his shoulder and hit it on on the turn and into the roof of the net, and absolutely brilliant. And so we're one nil up, um, and and we pretty much bossed the game. So we we, we get in we get into half time, um, and uh, my my friends there at the at the at the table and. He's had a couple more bevies, and he was uh, he was he was giving it large again. Um, we, uh, we we go out in the second half, and I think as I wrote in my piece, I, I was sort of I really wanted to go and watch the game, but I'm talking to like some clients, and I couldn't couldn't nip out. So, I'm, and, and it's on televisions, and I'm watching, and I saw we got a free kick, and I uh, I, I bustled past Mank Boy to like go and just nip out and and, and see it. And um, 
it's it's Johan Kabay and he's, he's got this free kick on the edge of the box and um into the Gallagher and I just I just I, I couldn't get to my seat so I, I just I, I went out and I just sat on the top steps you know those sort of moments you just like you can just you can just see and replay them in your mind and it just as you know it just goes into the top left hand corner brilliant bedlam I turned behind me and uh, our Mancunian friend was he, he he I can just see his little face in the in the glass just um just like this 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 picture of unhappiness and looking puce a little bit like Alex Ferguson does when he's had a couple of whiskeys. So it was <laughs> so it was great. And then but even then, you know, you Anton talked earlier a little bit about the shitty pants of supporting Newcastle. You're 2-0 up, you're playing really well, you're you're battering Man United pretty much. And even everyone around us, everyone, we're all cacking ourselves. We're all like, oh my God, we're, you know, it's 2-0. We're still going to, are we going to win this? And, you know, until uh, Phil Jones uh, scored a hilarious own goal. And can I just quickly say, if Phil Jones becomes a Newcastle United player, it, it's just, it'll just be the, the pièce de résistance for, for, for Mr. Bruce because he should be nowhere fucking near Newcastle United. But anyway, he scored a, he scored a, Absolutely wonderful own goal, three 0 brilliant. So it, that was, but but it was up until that moment. Everyone's holding their breath until about eighty odd minutes when he does that, and then it's like happy time. Um, so anyway, we 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 went back upstairs, um, and this guy is like really, you know, when he's like really drunk, he's got these two, he's got these two guys with him who are um, obviously his his like clients, customers up here who are doing their best to try and sort of you know like sort of. <laughs> be nice and try and keep him on side. Um, and he, he started really giving it large at, at, at the table after the game. And like, we're all just sort of sitting there, just like laughing at him, you know? And um, he uh, he started going, oh, you just remember, you fucking lot, you Geordies, you just fucking remember, right? These three points at the end of the season when they keep you up. And the table next to me just like erupted. And it was like, you know, like Raj guys, proper, you know, proper, I think a few of the lads like from Gateshead and that, and they were like proper, like they weren't having it. Um, and they, uh, they, 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 they give not them a bit everybody of a... from Gateshead's a Raji, of course. No, no, absolutely not. No, but these ones were. And um, <laughs> they, they basically, uh, they, they basically like give him a, got a hold of him, put him outside, and that was great. And it was just, uh, mint. It's just a real stars aligning game. Absolutely brilliant. I think one of the, uh, the memories, uh, sorry, just a quick one for me, uh, that one of the memories I've got is for some bizarre reason if you remember back in the early 90s when we changed sponsor halfway through the season it was um green all beers to back to newcastle breweries uh so if you had if you had yeah if if you had the strip you had to go to the club shop and get a a sort of a patch to sew onto your strip because it just didn't replace them and this was the green and yellow away strip yeah yeah the green yellow one black and white barcode strip but this uh man united game uh, that Nick's referring to. That was the game that we uh, changed from Northern Rock to Virgin. And we did. You're right. The, yeah. Yeah. The play, the players had the same sort of patch where you could see Northern Rock on either side with the Virgin uh, logo over. So it's it's mental because little things like that you just think, ah, we've got a, a you know a new sponsor, Mike Ashley. You know that the team's building. Alan Pardew's getting we're playing good football. You've got a player in Johan Kabai, a striker in Demma Ball. You know at that point you just thought. You know, this this could be the start of something special, and within within what a year, <laughs> it was back to normal, yeah. wasn't it? Well, that was the season that we had Bar Cisse and 
Ben Arthur running riot, wasn't it? it absolutely, yeah. So just you remember you, that I mean, game against what, Swansea what, what, away? What, they just ran riot in that game. Yeah. What, what, what you're saying there, Mark, is just uh, there's, there's been a two or three times probably um, when Newcastle have done well under Ashley and we get to a point and you just go, right. And you just know he won't put his hand in his pocket at that point and, and go on to the next level because he's not interested. Yeah. And that, that was a perfect example of that time. And, you know, I don't think any of us are like massive Alan Pardew fans, but to be fair to him, he did well at that point and we were doing well. Um, and, you know, at, at that sort of juncture in a time, if you go, right, let's build on this. Let's get us up towards those Champions League spots or Europa League spots. Let's do that. But he, he's just not interested. All he wants Back to then, do you didn't, you didn't have to spend 150 million quid to challenge. You just had to, we just had to tinker with a few positions mm-hmm. and spend a little bit of money that was self generated anyway. But he won't. And he he won't. Oh, that's the, doing it. But that's what I'm saying. Every, every year, year in, year out. I mean, I know we're all sort of slightly on his side at the moment because he's trying to flog the place and we're hoping that, like, you know, what he's doing will work. But as a custodian of this football club, all he's ever done is keep or, or try to do is is keep us just, you know, head above water. Yeah. I think uh, you, you look at two major major periods um, of happier times. That season was certainly one of them in, in the most you know, last 15 years or so. It's interesting that we've talked about Lee Boyer, we've talked about uh, Bobby Robson. You know, when you look back at us qualifying for the uh, the Champions League, uh, where well, the qualifiers back in 2003, we had uh, just bought Jonathan Woodgate, who I've said on so many occasions, best centre-half I've ever seen, without a shadow of a doubt. And what did 100%. we do? Yeah, and what did we do? We went out and bought uh, Lee Boyer on a free transfer from West Ham when we didn't need a, a, a midfielder of his style. And when you th- when you, you've just hit me on the head, chaps, because... When you think after this season, we went out and I think was was it Vernon and Nito end up buying when we didn't really need him? Uh, am I right in thinking it was that summer? Was he not um, the only player that we got that summer, Anita? And it was on that, a, was he on a free? No, I think it was a couple of million, but it was again it was a midfielder who, in reality, he probably wasn't going to add much to the to the, the actual dynamic of the set of pod you had. So as much as is what we've discussed. I'm not a favourite of a fan of Pardew at all. I still look back at his time of you know off the field incidents and you know the headbutt with Mailer and you know end of the day he nearly took us down. We had horrible, horrible runs. You know the, the defeats against Sunderland, but that season and that summer he was he was shit on basically lads because he, he wasn't back to take us to that next level. So Absolutely, it's, yeah, a, it's yeah, a shame. Yeah. It's a shame. But he didn't care either. Pardew didn't care because he was yet another Ashley man. Yes, man. That's all he was. I mean. He should never have come in in the first place. And yes, he did a he did a great job that season with us, and we played some really exciting football to watch. Yeah. But he was a yes man, so again, he was grateful to get a job. He was at Southampton in the old League One or what is currently yeah. League One, do you not? And then all of a sudden, Alan Pardew's your manager, and you just think, what? Yeah. And then he was given an eight-year contract. It's like has that, that's just expired, hasn't it? A couple of years ago. I did pay on it, Simon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. God, oh my, it's amazing being a Newcastle fan, isn't it? <laughs> 
It's uh, it's it's certainly uh, not boring, shall we say? And uh, you know, we'll not we'll not depress listeners by talking about current affairs, even though we've got to be honest, we won our last game two 0 So let's end it on a high. Um, also, it, it, I totally forgot uh, in, in, until I read the, the recent article um, in the, the True Faith Lutes edition. Robbie Elliott, happy birthday on Christmas Day, Bonnie Lad. Uh, you know, one of the cropper players who I mentioned before who come through under uh, Keegan, you know, so it's uh, good. I love time. Him. Absolutely yeah. love Robbie Elliott. He was brilliant. Yeah, I mean, when he... that was a celebration when he scored goals, wasn't it? Well, yeah. You, you... Just to, to quickly, uh, cons- you know, talk about uh, t- t- Robbie Elliott. He's he's uh, a firm fan of Kenny Daglish, and I've had conversations with him on Twitter. I should always say we have. Blamed- I saw that on Twitter yesterday. He he stood yeah. up for him, didn't he? He was like going. It was the, the- it was the, the PLC, all sort of thing. Yeah, but but my argument always is, yeah, but he still sold the wrong players. He had he had to raise funds, but he sold the wrong players to do it. And this is a stat for you. When all said and done, Kenny Daglish still spent more money than he raised at Newcastle, and that's that. You can't argue with that, you know. And when you when you think about how much we went backwards as well, it's uh, it's, he it's sold, incredible. Uh, he sold Schindler and replaced him with Des Hamilton. <laughs> this is a this is a Liverpool legend. Yeah, and you, yeah. you know, I mean, surely, surely not. He, he clearly is a football man and he knows his football, but really. <laughs> yeah, and on that a lovely note, we'll uh, we'll call it we'll call it a day, lads. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you, lads. Uh, unfortunately, we did lose Alex uh, a little bit earlier on due to a technical issue. Um, I.e., I don't think he's paid his, his bills for his internet. But uh, thanks to everyone for listening. Um, it's a, it's an absolute joy to keep on doing these podcasts. The feedback's incredible. Keep it coming because the more feedback we get, the more ideas we get. We'll we'll, we'll continue to do it until uh, either we get bored of it or you do. So thanks again and. Uh, Paul, Nick, Anton, thanks very much, lads, and have a cracking Christmas. Cheers, Rob. Cheers, Cheers Alex. Thank, Thank you very much. much. Have a good Christmas, everybody. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.